Welcome to the Davy Tree Expert Company's podcast, Talking Trees. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Each episode showcases one of Davy's certified arborists sharing advice with everyone about caring for your trees and landscapes. We'll talk about everything from introduced pests, seasonal tree care, deer damage, how to make your trees thrive, and much, much more. Tune in every Thursday to learn more because here at the Talking Trees podcast, we know trees are the answer. I'm joined this week by Josh Van Kemp. He works out of the Toronto East office up in Canada for the Davy Tree Expert Company as a district manager. And I'm going to start off, Josh, picking your brain a little bit about if you're think, thinking about buying a house, when you see lots of big mature trees around a house, what are the positives of that? Hey, Doug. Uh, so some of the positives in terms of mature trees, obviously, uh, you know, we've got the aesthetics of a large, beautiful tree, um, you know, that brings a lot of value to a home. Uh, I don't know about you, but when I drive up and down a street and I see a street with a lot of nice mature trees, uh, it makes it's very welcoming, right? So, I mean, a lot of the positives there are, uh, you know, it offers some shade uh, to the neighborhood and things like that. So it's going to obviously uh, help with cooling costs on the home. Um, you know, you've also got the opportunity there uh, to kind of dampen the light in your backyard. Uh, if you're lucky enough to have a large mature tree where that sunlight kind of dances through the uh, the branches, so to speak, you know, it kind of adds another aspect to the backyard aesthetically. Um, with that being said, you've also inherited probably a tree that, you know, might take 20, 30, 40 years to grow. So that has a value on its own as well. Um, and I mean, there's also the mental health side of things. You know, there's a lot of uh, studies shown uh, in terms of mental health uh, improvements with hospitals and retirement homes uh, that have uh, a lot of green space on them. So I'd say there's a lot of value to having a mature tree on your property, uh, let alone any trees and, and greenery. Uh, but definitely, if you're lucky enough to inherit a property that has a mature tree, yeah, a lot of positives there. And how about negatives? When I'm thinking about that, so when I, I when I talk to arborists on this podcast all the time, I tell them I live in an oak forest, a very mature oak forest, and one actually with uh, oak wilt. So when I think of looking at a house with big giant trees, it can be worrisome also, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, a lot of times, you know, we kind of look at trees, uh, sometimes we, we forget that they, they need love and they need attention. Uh, so you can kind of almost compare it to your car, you know, your car needs love, it needs attention, it needs oil changes. We've got to put some kind of investment in there. Um, so it's important to realize that by inheriting, you know, trees of any size, uh, there's going to be some investment. Um, so younger trees, obviously, you're probably not going to have such a large investment at a younger age. Uh, and as they grow, you're going to see certain things change. So with that being said, what are you going to see? You're going to see um, you're going to see some deadwood through the tree. You know, uh, that's going to have to be taken care of. So there's going to be a little bit of a cost for that. Um, you might see some pest management or disease management that might need to happen with the tree to keep it healthy. Uh, but again, these are all things that, uh, you know, here at Davy Tree, we have the ability to take care of and, and assist with. Uh, so you can always give us a call. It's a free consultation, things like that. So that's something where we come out, we do a nice assessment of the tree, and we uh, we do a little bit of a risk assessment. So um, even in terms of if you're looking to buy a tree, you can always give us a call and we can come out and check the property before you make those uh, kind of commitments to uh, to a property. You know, talking about coming out for free, some people might be kind of shy to call, you know, 
gee, uh, do, do, I, do I really want to have a guy come out? And, and is it going to be bothering him? But I mean, this is something, this is your job, right? You, you want people to do this. Yeah, I mean, that's what I do all day, every day. I talk about trees. I probably drive my family crazy talking about trees. I know I drive my wife crazy talking about trees. Um, I drive up and down streets, and what do I notice? I go, man, you know, somebody's got to take care of that deadwood in that tree, or you know, I wonder if those people know that trees got uh, you know, that disease, and it's and it's you know causing the leaves to fall. Like a simple spray, um, you know, a couple times a year in, in the spring. Uh, you know, would solve that problem and it would change the, the value of that tree from something that looks sickly to something that, um, you know, would bring that value back to the front yard, so to speak, that that curb appeal. Uh, and sometimes people don't realize that. And and I think the, the tree care industry gets chalked up to, you know, uh, just pretty much branch cutting or tree removal all the time. It's always that physical aspect of removing something. Uh, but here at Davey, we we do so much more. Uh, you know, we have the ability, uh, pesticide licenses, things like that. And the word pesticide can be scary for some people. Uh, but that also means fungicides. So fungicides, right, we can we can treat these trees and we can solve these problems and help control these problems. And uh, and it's relatively surprising to most people when I go out and I explain that to them and they go, oh, you know, I thought I was going to have to remove this tree and we bought the house. 40 years ago, and it's been here with us this whole time, you know, we raised our kids with this tree, and I'd hate to see it go. And when I can come in, I can offer them this integrated pest management program, this tree and shrub care program. Um, You know, it brings a lot of value to my day. So to say that people are worried that they're wasting my time, uh, there's a lot of value for me when I can see people appreciate uh, the change in their in their landscape and the things I can do to help them, uh, you know, create that change. So, uh, yeah, give us a call. There's no issue. Well, your wife and your family might not want to hear that uh, diatribe, but here on the Talking Trees podcast, that's all we want to hear. <laughs> Perfect. Well, there you go. I'll call you next time, Doug, instead of talking to my wife. How's that sound? <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> so uh, let's get back to, to looking at our property. Uh, how do I know if a, if a big tree is too close to the foundation? Um, so if it's too close to the foundation, I mean, generally a good rule of thumb is, you know, you kind of look at the drip line of, of the tree. Now the drip line is where the edge of the canopy reaches. Um, so it's kind of like where the edge of the, the you know, the last kind of leaf reaches on the top of the tree. Um, that's generally a good rule of thumb. You can use that in, in the sense that that's where your, your tree roots are, are reaching to. They probably go a little bit further than that. Um, now I get this question a lot. A lot of people are worried about tree roots and their foundation. Um, a lot of the times we don't see issues with tree roots affecting foundation. Uh, it's a pretty big concern, especially here in Toronto. We got a lot of small properties, um, but we got a lot of big trees. And, uh, and so those roots, they've been there for, you know, maybe a hundred years on some of these large oak trees. Um, and if people have issues with the foundation, it's usually because there's a pre-existing problem. Uh, tree roots naturally look for water, um, but they're not going to punch through a wall to try to find that water. Uh, so if you're finding that there's any kind of problems with the foundation and it has to do with the tree roots, it's probably because the foundation was damaged already. Um, with that being said, if you have the ability to plant a tree, if we're talking about planting a new young tree, uh, you know, take that into consideration. Keep it away from the house. Let's, you know, let's plant that in an appropriate location, especially based off the size and the root structure for that tree, because we're going to have to take that into consideration. Some trees get quite large. 
Uh, other trees have a little more of a small form, and therefore, you know, certain tree roots uh, might not impact foundation as much. So, I mean, if we can avoid the tree roots growing along the foundation, then why not? Let's go that route. Um, if you have an existing tree that's already there, again, have somebody come out. We can assess the uh, the tree. We can determine if those roots would probably be affecting the foundation, and uh, and we can make the best recommendations from there. So I think I already know the answer to the next question, but let's say I'm looking at a property and there's a big tree and there's dead wood on it. Maybe it's scraping off the roof. Uh, that's certainly a bad thing. Yeah, it's definitely not a good thing. Um, we want to enjoy our trees, but we also want to make sure that we're creating a balance between our landscape and, uh, and our own homes uh, and our livelihood. So, you know, we don't want these trees scratching the roof. We don't want them you know, in the winter, we got a lot of, you know, uh, weighted limbs maybe due to ice rain. They're freezing to the uh, to the shingles. They might lift the shingles when there's some thaws. They're frozen together. So these are things we, we look at as arborists and, uh, and we come out and we assess. And so a lot of times we'll make recommendations for obviously removing deadwood because it's it's a hazard. But the other things are like elevating over the roof line. Um, you know, giving ample clearances over the roof so uh, we keep some wildlife off the tree or off the roof, sorry, if we can do that. Um, you know, another good thing to consider is pruning tree limbs away from chimney stacks. Um, you know, a lot of people don't consider that and then they go and they use their chimneys in the winter uh, and it is a little bit of a fire hazard. So it's something to definitely take into consideration for the safety of your family and your home. Um, but again, you know, we come out, we assess that tree, and those are the recommendations that we can make because a lot of people sometimes don't think about these things. And uh, again, that's that's where a certified arborist comes into play. You know, especially I never thought of that uh, something growing over the chimney stack. That's a great point. I want to go back to something you said though about trees and foundation. Are there any trees that I would want to avoid to to plant? within a certain distance with my foundation or, or that's just something I, I shouldn't really worry too much about. I, I, like you, I get that question a lot where people say like, Oh gosh, I don't want to have a tree close to, to here because the roots are going to go into the house. But from what you just said, generally that's not a big concern. No, generally it's not a huge concern with, with that. Um, if we were to consider certain trees not to plant, I think just in relation to, to the home, um, obviously, we want to try to avoid fast-growing trees. Um, fast-growing trees are, are quick to grow, but they're also quick to die. Um, they, can be, they can be problematic because of that. Um, we, we want to encourage you know, long-lived, slow-growing shade trees in our communities. Uh, these are going to offer the best value to the, uh, the canopy coverage of, of our communities and to uh, you know, obviously help with that carbon footprint. Um, so with that being said, certain species that I would avoid myself uh, and I would recommend to some of my customers to avoid, I would avoid willows, I would avoid poplars. Um, these are two very fast growing trees. They're not very appropriate for, uh, for most urban environments. Um, now, if you've got the space, if you're lucky enough to have a property that's quite large, uh, then by all means, you know, there's a time and place for everything. And uh, some of these trees can be very beautiful if they have the space to grow. Um, but those would be probably the two most common trees that I would uh, I would advise homeowners to avoid uh, uh, planting. Um, sometimes people want that privacy screen of a tree, you know, planted at the back of the lot, uh, let it grow quick. Um, uh, you know, you don't want to have to be looking into your neighbor's yard all the time. And, and I respect that. 
But uh, again, picking the right tree for the right place is very important. It'll save you money in the long run because if you choose the right tree, it means you can invest in that tree more appropriately. Uh, the last thing we want is a large growing tree that uh, is very fast growing and, and we have to put an investment into it consistently just to try to, to maintain its size. Um, it grows fast and that's great. It does what it needs to do very quickly, but it also becomes a problem very quickly. So with that being said, there are species of trees that we can plant that would be more appropriate for things like that for privacy screens. So, you know, trees come in all different shapes and sizes. So we can get things like columnars or pyramidals, uh, which are more narrow, upright growing trees. Uh, you know, they've been designed to kind of grow like this, and they're usually very beautiful uh, when used in the right setting. Um, so these are some trees that I, I would recommend for that, is uh, looking for columnars and, uh, and pyramidal species to, to create privacy screens if you're looking to do something like that. You know, I want to pivot a little bit, and I want to pick your brain a little bit. Do you have two or three trees on, on your list that you say, please don't plant this, please don't plant this. This is not going to be something that you're going to want to have in your landscape. Mm, trees not to plant, 100% don't plant. So definitely the poplar falls into that category. Um, you know, when you, say, when you say that poplar, it's so funny because where I grew up, that house that we bought in 1967 had a whole row of poplars in front of mm -hmm. it as a screen. And by the time that I graduated high school, that whole row of poplars was gone. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they're just, I mean, they're, they're lovely trees and again, in, in the right setting, um, but they, they take a lot of maintenance and their longevity, the age that they live is something that we have to consider when, when choosing trees as well. Um, you know, some trees might have a lifespan of, you know, 40 to 60 years in optimal conditions. Other trees might have a lifespan of, you know, 150 years. Um, so again, it's, it's one of those things where you got to take it into consideration. If you plan on living on that property for quite some time, um, you know, are you going to outlive the tree? Are you going to live on that property longer than the tree? Or are you going to have to deal with that tree, uh, you know, uh, within uh, 30 years because it might become a problem. And so, I mean, to answer your question, hundred percent poplar, beautiful tree in the right setting, uh, for most urban dwellers, I would avoid it. Um, other trees that uh, I know in my neighborhood that we would probably avoid, one of them would be Norway maples. Um, now, this isn't so much because of the type of tree, but it's because it is becoming an invasive species for us here in uh, Ontario. It's starting to outcompete our native trees. Um, so we're having a hard time with sugar maples and, and red maples in our, uh, our native uh, forests. And this isn't, uh, you know, it's, it's strictly an evolutionary thing. The Norway maple uh, just produces uh, that much more seed crop when compared to a sugar maple or a red maple. So it's literally just a numbers game for the trees. But if we can discourage uh, the planting of Norway maples in our communities and probably encourage more native trees like sugar maples or red maples or even Freeman maples, which is a, you know, a little bit of a hybridized species there. So there's, uh, there's different things to talk about there as well. But, uh, you know, we try to choose certain species that also work for our communities, not only work for the homeowner, but, you know, work for our environment in the long run. You know, almost every arborist I talk to talks about how great sugar maples are. And we have the same problem with Norway maples down here in the east, just out competing the better trees. Uh, anything else on your list? 
uh, in terms of trees to avoid? Um, I think that really comes down to the questions I would probably ask a homeowner at that point. Um, so you gotta, you gotta pick their brains, um, on, on what they want to achieve in their yard. Um, so, you know, are we looking for a large form tree? Are we looking for, um, you know, something tall and narrow? Are we looking for something more widespread that uh, provides lots of shade or, or minimal shade? Um, maybe people just want an ornamental, something that provides, you know, a little more color to the, to the environment. So I think it really comes down to preference at that point. Um, and I mean, there's, there's pros and cons with most trees, but those would be the two I would avoid. Um, it's funny because if you ask me, what are my favorite trees to plant? That was my uh, next question. And I'm go, sure it's your go, next go. question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say, uh, there, there's one that's always on the fence and it's ginkgo. Ginkgo is a beautiful tree has ah. a beautiful fan shape. There's really no other leaf like it. It's a prehistoric tree. Um, it's been around for ages. Literally the mammals that used to roam the earth, uh, that used to crush these seeds don't exist anymore. And the only reason this tree exists is because, uh, we as humans cultivate it. Um, uh, but a beautiful tree. Uh, and it's always funny because I recommend it quite often to homeowners. And the first thing they do is they go home and they look it up and they see all the negative yep. opinions on the fruit. Yeah. And it's always so funny because, you know, the female produces uh, a seed and the seed is is very smelly when it gets broken open. Um, so the pro, beautiful tree, beautiful colors in the fall, especially here in Ontario. We have very, very slow, slow falls, you know, steady temperature changes. So we get beautiful colors. Um, and so you, you really learn to appreciate a tree like that in the fall. Uh, but again, you take a little bit of that risk with that fruit. And you hope that you don't get that that odd tree that is a, a female and not a male, and uh, and yeah. But, so so when they're selling a ginkgo, you mm-hmm. don't know if it's male or female. It's just, is that how it works, or generally they're grown to be to be a, a male tree, but the odd time you do get unlucky and end up with a female. Um, it's maybe like a one in a hundred chance, but. Uh, just my so I luck. I think it's worth the risk. Yeah, they're good trees. They're easy trees to prune. They have good form, very narrow trees. So generally they work well within an urban environment. And uh, and it's something different, you know, having having a little bit of variety in the neighborhood, being that homeowner who says you got a different tree than everybody else is a nice thing to, to say, I think. You know, here in Pittsburgh, when I'm driving down to the city, they have a whole row of them like next to the freeway. And when they change color, it is stunning. It is absolutely yeah. stunning. Beautiful color. So tell me a little bit about how you got into this. It's something I always like to ask arborists. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I guess, uh, from a young age, I, I always enjoy being outdoors. My, uh, my parents took me camping when I was, I was quite young. Um, so I just kind of grew up with, with that exposure to the outdoors, to trees. Um, my mother always felt it was really important that, uh, I learn about the outdoors. And so I was absorbing that information all the time. And as I got older, um, you know, you kind of hit that point in high school. You start saying, well, what are you going to do with your life? You know, and you sit down, you start looking at things and you go, okay, you know, I could be an accountant. I could be a doctor. I could be a lawyer. I could be a police officer. And then somebody says, well, you know, what about working with, with natural resources, working outdoors? You know, you always enjoy being outdoors. And uh, I started really looking into things. And, and uh, I found this program. Uh, it was a forestry program. Uh, Fleming College, Sir Sanford Fleming College here in, in Lindsay, Ontario. And uh, they're basically just a natural resource campus. They have a whole bunch of different programs that that uh, range from uh, 
drilling and blasting to fisheries to forestry to arboriculture. We actually bring on a lot of our our new climbers uh, from their arboriculture program there and co-op students. Um, and so I did this uh, two-year program in forestry, and I learned a lot. And uh, and you learn a lot through osmosis with all those other individuals that are in different natural resource programs. So very, very good program. Um, and then from there, I actually went out to uh, Vancouver Island University in BC, and I studied a little bit of uh, natural resource law and uh, kind of dipped my toes in more of the report writing side of things. And uh, so, yeah, I had a little bit of the hands-on experience, a little bit of the, the report writing side of things. And uh, yeah, I ended up back here in Ontario or on terrible, as everybody called it from BC. And everybody thought I was crazy for leaving the West Coast of Canada. And I, uh, I dabbled a bit in running my own business. Um, and I kind of got the taste for, uh, for doing sales and, and putting together uh, tree care plans for homeowners. And, and I really learned to appreciate the value of meeting with people and providing a service and, and seeing that that return when it was done and letting them enjoy their property. Um, and I started really looking around. I said, well, you know, where can I where can I get this, uh, you know, exposure and, and can I do this as a full time job? And uh, and Davy Tree has always been a pretty strong name in the industry. Um, and I started looking at things here and I saw, oh, you know, they have sales arbors positions. They have pest management, uh, you know, technician programs. They have uh, different kinds of training, you know. They have the Davy Institute of Tree Sciences, a program that, you know, runs for a month long and is, uh, and is down in Ohio there. And, and all these little, little things that really helped build a, a, a good picture for what my career could look like and, and where I could uh, grow. And, uh, you know, davy has been very good to me. I've, uh, I've had a lot of opportunities here and I, I've grown a lot. Uh, both as, um, uh, you know, an arborist um, and as a person. Uh, there's a lot of different things I've taken on and things that I, I don't think I would have learned anywhere else. And I've always really appreciated that and the, the amount of knowledge that was able for me to absorb working for Davy Tree. So that's my little life story in a nutshell. <laughs> All right, Josh, I'm going to leave it right there. I know you love the outdoors because before we uh, started doing our podcast, you're going to one of my favorite places in the world. Algonquin Provincial Park. That's as outdoorsy as it gets. And then if you ever have any uh, time when you, you're, you're going to start talking about trees and your wife just turns you off, just give me a call and we can chat about it. All right. All right. Sounds good, Doug. Thank you so much, Josh. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. You have a good day. Tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast from the Davy Tree Expert Company. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Next week, we're talking all about jobs in arboriculture. I interviewed a current and former intern with Davy Tree. I really enjoyed getting their perspective on the job. As always, we'd like to remind you on the Talking Trees podcast, trees are the answer.